Now we enter COVID, you know, you've seen it, you've seen the headlines, creatives and artists countrywide complaining about the lack of support, the lack of financial assistance, etc., etc., etc. And where does this place us moving forward? Uh, here to talk about it, far more well-versed on the conversation is Professor Jen Snowball, uh, the Chief Research Strategist at the uh, South Africa Cultural Observatory. And they always bring out some very interesting papers and studies around the uh, creative and cultural industries. And we're going to look at, of course, the impact that COVID has had on this. And Jen Snowball is the uh, Professor of Economics out at Rhodes University. Good morning, Jen. And good morning, and good morning to the listeners as well. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us about this. Uh, Oftentimes we have conversations about the CCIs, but they are always from a back perspective of, you know, people thinking that artists need hands out, you know, or a hand up and not realizing that this sector is a huge contributor to the GDP of our country. In fact, it's a huge contributor to GDPs in most countries where it is active and supported properly. Um, Yes, that's very much the case, but, um, in many countries, including South Africa, we don't get official statistics about the creative economy. So it's kind of embedded Mm. in lots of industries and people work in creative jobs, um, but not always in creative industries. So if you think of a designer working in a car factory, Mm. um, then we often miss the size of the creative economy because we don't have um, these kind of official measurements. So part of the work that SACO is, is trying to, to do is mm. to make make visible um, the, the impact of the creative economy on South Africa's GDP, as you mentioned, mm. um, but also in terms of employment to the number of jobs that it actually provides. Mm. And, and how easy is it uh, for you guys at Psycho to do that? Or what tools are you implementing uh, to do that, in, as you say, to make visible the impact of uh, the CCIs? Um, yes, well, some of it is from um, official statistics, but mm. we've just kind of drilled down to see the details, you mm. know, of some of those bigger categories so that we can um, kind of surface the, the creative ones. Mm. Um, we're using the UNESCO framework for um, cultural statistics, which is kind of an international framework, so we can mm. compare the size of our creative economy to what's happening um, in in other countries, mm-hmm. um, but for this report on the impact of the creative industries, mm-hmm. um, we actually used extensive survey research as well. Okay. Um, so we had an online survey that we distributed to everybody on the SACO mailing list and through industry databases and institutions mm-hmm. um, as much as we could. And uh, we also did some key stakeholder interviews with people who were in leadership positions in their particular sector. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a combination of sort of official national statistics mm. and um, our own primary data. Yeah. And and what were for 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 you guys at Psycho and the team those pertinent findings around the impact of uh, 2020 going into 2021 on on the CCIs? Yes. Well, I mean, as you mentioned in the in the beginning, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very severely negative impact in 2020. Yeah. Um, but what we are now seeing is is a recovery, right? So, yeah. so slow, but it's there. 
Um, but one of our main findings is um, is that people have changed the way, people in the industry. So, yeah. so we surveyed freelancers mm-hmm. um, as well as firms, okay. small companies mostly, and some larger ones, to find out sort of what, what have they done between 2020 and 2021 to kind of keep going. You know? yeah. um, and we know that um, some people may have left, exited the creative economy um kind of forever or at least temporarily. Mm. Um, But for the people who stayed, one of the big differences between 2020, when I think people were seeing the COVID as a, it's like a a short-term emergency. I mean, you think back to when we first went into lockdown, I think a lot of us thought this is going to be like a short-term Yeah, we're on a holiday for 21 days. Exactly. So so there wasn't like a lot of, well, I must change my whole business model, you know, and I need to kind of rethink things. Mm. Um, it was more just how do I survive this kind of short-term shutdown. But then when we did the survey again in the first half of this year, what we could see is that um, adaptation was, was much more there. Mm. So one of the main things was that in 2020, only about a third of of the respondents said that they were thinking of pivoting to online. Yeah. Whereas in 2021, there were like 65% of, of of respondents said that they were trying to move some of their production and distribution activities online. Mm. So we can see that you know there's this there's a re, reset of the the kind of thinking around what's going to happen in the future. Mm. Um, and so some of that adaptation has improved um, the ability to continue doing business. But having said that, um, our key stakeholders also said not everyone can do that, right? So, yeah. so you need a certain level of skills and funding, equipment, mm. um, know-how to do that. And they also said that even people who have moved online um, are finding it difficult to monetize that, right? Mm. So um, they, they can use online for that continuity um, and for remaining, you know, kind of um, there for their, their loyal followers, but it's really difficult to make any money out of that. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that that is kind of a problem for um, for people who have moved online. I mean, we we got one. Uh, I'll just tell a very um, quick story. One mm. of the one of the artists we were interviewing, who's a stand-up comedian, yeah. said that he had decided he was going to do an online show, live streaming, and sell tickets at like fifty rand each. Mm. So if you wanted to access the show, you bought a ticket for fifty bucks, right? Yeah. Um, and and it went quite well, and he sold quite a lot of tickets. But then he discovered afterwards that a um, a pub owner had bought one fifty rand <gasps> ticket and then put the thing on the pub TV screen, no. you know, um, and and then uh, sort of broadcast it to all the people in the pub. So um, and he didn't know how to handle that, mm. you know. He didn't he hadn't sort of thought about that. Um, so it's and and I mean technically the the person who'd done that wasn't doing anything illegal exactly yeah so so i think that when you shift into the online or digital environment whether you're fine art or craft or music or performance whatever you're doing Mm. you have to start thinking really carefully about um intellectual property right your your ip because um it's just so much easier for people to misuse that or copy it if you don't have those thoughts in place
And I mean, Jen, as you speak about adaptation, we are speaking to Professor Jane Snowball, by the way, who's the chief research strategist at the uh, South Africa Cultural Observatory, also a professor of economics out at Rhodes University, about uh, this uh, survey on the impact of COVID-19 on the cultural and creative industries that was undertaken by uh, the South African Cultural Observatory. Jen, as you speak about adaptation, um, you know, and you mentioned that not everybody has the skills and the know-how, you know, to be able to pivot um, and and specifically pivot digitally or, you know, as we saw, everyone trying to go online in whatever capacity uh, or reach their consumers uh, online. My other thought then becomes about, you know, supporting infrastructure because at times we also don't think about that, right? And we speak about... Africa's readiness, and and we don't exclude South Africa from this conversation, about Africa's readiness from an infrastructural perspective um, to be able to handle all of us suddenly going online and and taking ourselves out of physical and into the big wide web or whatever else we might need. Um, Yes, I mean, that is is also something that came up in the the study. Um, I mean... In infrastructure can include like the the hardware that you need to mm. to go online, as well as you know bandwidth and internet access. And yeah. it's also a problem for consumers, right? Mm. So from the um, Statusa household income and expenditure survey in 2019, we know that like less than 10 percent of households um, said that they had access to a fixed line Wi-Fi at mm. home. Mm. <clears throat> so that means that. They, you know, people are using cell phone data, and we know that that's quite expensive. So, if you want, as an audience, if you you know, reaching an audience just through digital means can mm. actually be really um, challenging as well. Um, and a lot of the the creative practitioners um, were also saying, you know, we need some assistance um, in terms of upgrading our equipment or having mm. access to studio space. Um, and they, they also said that, that when you move online, you become like an, you you know, you do everything. So mm. you're the performer, you're the filmer, you're the sound person, you know, yeah. you're the editor, you're the, the marketing person. So it's it actually really difficult for some of them. But um, there have been some really inspiring kind of stories coming through um, about how uh, festivals, for example, have stepped up. And, and rather than being kind of, gatekeepers who mm. select the program, they've almost become co-creators. Yes. Um, so they've set up studio spaces and they've worked with um, especially sort of younger creatives um, to help them to film content or to record content um, to put online. online. Yeah, but, but it's, not, it's not only online. I mean, a lot of people yeah. have done interesting hybrid things, you know, True. so they've had like a smaller in-person event yeah um, and I think the easing of the lockdown this year is also why we we forecasting that this year will be a, a slightly a better, better year. year for the creative economy yeah so you know we've seen some drive-in festivals um, we've seen some small events yeah. in non-traditional spaces you know gardens or museums or True. Um, which have then also been live streamed so I think there, there's a whole range of adaptations um, that have helped. 
Jen, thank you so much for that. We're going to have to cut it there. That was Jen, Jen Snowball, who uh, was uh, just giving us the brief on this very interesting survey done on the impact of COVID on the cultural and creative industries. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and get into our next conversation around thought leadership.